Children of God, 
do greet each of you once again in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our strength and our Redeemer. For those of you worshiping with us for the first time, I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide Headquarters, Kinston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome you once again to another edition of Living the Word, a place where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of millions of God's people all over the world. We do praise God for each of you. We pray that you are blessed and highly favored wherever this broadcast is locating you. This is the day brother and my sister that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. We are thankful for our God has blessed us with another day in the land of the living. We pause reverently to acknowledge him to exalt him and to give him praise. One of the things the Lord has freshened my mind, uh, we have a conference. TCCCW will be having leadership conferences and seminars in the great country of Liberia, Monrovia, the capital city there, um, November 9th through November 15th. For all of those pastors, bishops, elders, overseers, deacons, mothers, saints, and friends that are interested in attending this great conference, we will be having further information regarding that. Uh, we do thank God for TCCCW team, Monrovia, Liberia. Uh, I have been through Liberia, stopped at the airport, in transit going on to Sierra Leone, but I have yet to experience uh, the country uh, the way I believe the Lord has in store. And for those of you that are led, uh, as I said earlier, we will have more information regarding that great event. Saints, we're going to take a look this morning at the book of Matthew, chapter 6 and verse 33, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. 
as this scripture here details and chronicles in so many words why we as human beings have had problems in this life. When we don't do this, when we forget this scripture or we allow ourselves to be led astray, we will have problems. Whether it's in our life, God says, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your nation, whether it's in your dispensation. God says, whenever men and women fail to do this, problems are sure to abound. My encouragement for every soul that is listening to us, may this be your heart's desire. May this be your goal in life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Apostle writes to us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well we want to work from a theme today first his kingdom first his kingdom. Let us pray. Eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, once again, it is us, your little children, coming before you with outstretched arms, requiring and requesting your leadership, your guidance, your counsel, your chastisement, your rebuke, whatever you deem necessary that we need, Heavenly Father. We want that from you today. As your men and women servants all over the world preach and teach your word, listen and hear your word. I pray, Father, that your spirit go before them. Your spirit will accomplish everything that he deems necessary to do in humanity in these last and evil days. 
pray, Father, that by your spirit, by your power, by your word, and by your will, that men and women will be convicted and converted. That men and women will cry out, what must I do to be saved? Know that it is not your will that any should perish, but that all will come to a knowledge of the truth. We pray today, Father, that thousands, millions today will come to a knowledge of the truth, enter into your eternal kingdom, which you have established for us before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Forgive us, Father, your little children, for we have all gone astray in one way or another. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus Christ be a perpetuation for our sins, that he might be an advocate before you on that great and terrible day of judgment. Thank you, Father. Things and blessings that we can see, blessings that we cannot see. You have done more for us than we can imagine or even fathom. Speak to us, Father, as we search your holy scriptures. May someone be blessed, encouraged, edified as your word is preached and taught. Father, as you do these things for us, we will be careful to give your name, which is above every other name. All the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. These and all other blessings we ask and count done. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Amen and amen. First is kingdom. Keep in mind, children of God, the adversary wants to get you and me twisted up. What we're supposed to be doing, he doesn't want us doing. What we're supposed to be going after, he doesn't want us going after. Whatever God wants, the adversary wants just the opposite. Now, God has a will, just like we do, or what he wants or what he desires. He is working to convince and to show men and women, that his will, thank you, Holy Spirit, is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, 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 God says, you need to understand, Robert, my will is good, pleasing, and perfect. My will, I didn't say my will is always going to look good, pleasing, and perfect. God says, I didn't say my will is always going to feel, come on, somebody, good, pleasing and perfect. God says, Robert, I didn't even say that my will would be the most popular, the most sought after. 
But I assure you that my will, saith the Lord, is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, you say, Apostle, why is that point of concern? It is a point of concern, my brother and my sister, because as surely as God has a will, and as surely as this will is good, pleasing, and perfect, the adversary is working to convince you and me that his will is not any good. That his will is it's not pleasing. You're not really going to like that. He's working to convince you and me. His will is not perfect. His will is not pleasing. His will is, is no good. Now, what the Lord is, is bringing to my spirit now is an ancient scripture in the book of Proverbs or the book of Ecclesiastes, I don't even know exactly where it is or exactly what it says, but it says something to the effect of the buyer cries, no good, no good, and then goes off, and I'm paraphrasing, and boasts about his purchase. You understand what that means? In other words, picture a buyer in the market or a buyer, and it doesn't go on as much here in the U.S. because this is not so much a barter culture and a barter society. I mean, when you go in stores here in the U.S., the price that is is on the ticket, when you get to the register, that's what you pay. Well, in many countries, many cultures throughout the world, they're barter which means that, you know, they may be asking $10 for the item, but you can discuss with the seller and maybe bring it down to $5. Now, we can do, sometimes we can do these kinds of things normally if it is an item maybe sold on the internet or an item sold, a personal item that someone is selling, but for the most part, the items that are sold in the store the price that there, $10, you expect to pay $10 when you, when you check out. Well, in these barter cultures, oftentimes, because individuals were just like us today, they wanted to get the best deal. So the item might say $10. The buyer might even know that the item is worth more than $10 or at least $10, but the buyer would immediately start complaining. Ah, look at this item. You know, it's faded. It is not the good quality. It is not. And the seller will come down sometimes or oftentimes on the price. And the buyer ah, you know, I'm... Five dollars for this item. I, I've seen this item being sold for item. Seller come down to sell it, maybe get and then when the buyer has bought the item at maybe 
uh, cheaper than what was originally there and he complained about the quality and complained about the workmanship and complained and complained, and complained. when he goes away he boasts about his purchase he complained to the seller but when he get to his friends man you know i have to look at one of the vehicles that is that is right out there you know individual was asking uh one one amount of money for it, which i knew then it was worth a lot more than that but when i went i was like ah, you say you say that, 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 that it overheats or you say well, what about this look at this miss and and he brought it down even less than what i knew it was worth more than in the start with you say apostle what is the lord trying to get us something understand it just because people are complaining about a price that does not mean they are not really uh-huh that mean that does not mean they don't know the value now uh -huh, praise God. Somebody, somebody is somebody's receiving this. You know. You know, sometimes people do that with people, places, and things. Sometimes people complaining about their wife, they have no intention of letting her go. Or they complaining about their husband. And they know they know they not thinking about letting him. Sometimes people complaining about their house or, or complaining to others about that, but they know that the value. Understand this, and I've, I've shared this with you a number of times. The adversary is talking against God. Adversary is talking against things of God. He's talking against the word of God but he knows the value even though he is talking against it he knows remember satan was someplace that you and i are trying to get satan was in heaven satan was in the presence of god he know full well how beautiful it is how awesome it is in his presence he know the Bible say in God's presence there is what fullness of joy. The adversary once had fullness of joy, but he traded all of that in, and 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 now, you know, he's in darkness, eternal darkness. He knows how wonderful God's presence is, but yet he is still going about working in the lives of men and women to convince them that it's not a beautiful place adversary was once perfect god says robert just like adam was once what perfect the adversary iniquity was found in him well he lost he he had fallen see see you gotta understand before somebody can lead you astray they first must be going astray and the same way before somebody can lead you into righteousness they must first go into righteousness my bishop used to say something 40 years ago that reigns true today 
You cannot lead, come on somebody, where you don't go. You know, I, you know, God has revealed to me so many reasons that I experienced and had to go through this stroke. So many, you know, chastisement, enlightenment, understand so many things that God has revealed. But one of the reasons and one of the things is that, you know, I was sharing this with one apostle friend of mine down in Nigeria. Uh, puts on crusades and picture that field out there across the street, picture it full of people, just full of people packed, praising God, lifting up. And, you know, he holds these crusades twice a year. And he told me that the people were asking, I've gone down a number of years ago. We had a wonderful time. We praised God. My thing was, let, let's let the people in Abuja know that Jesus is Lord. And we were just praising God and dancing. And, you know, we had a wonderful time. But I was sharing with him that, you know, one of the things the Lord had to reveal to me about this stroke was I had been for years praying for people. And not the people hadn't gotten healed. People were getting healed and do all kind of things. But I, I was praying for sick people. And I never really new sickness never really understood sickness now it's something to be said about experiencing a thing now i'm seeing god heal some of you seen me saw me walk up to the pulpit and you know one of the saints was telling me earlier they said you walking much better i said i want to be perfect i want people not even to say they said well you got a little hitch till you walk i said oh, well so i know i got to keep working is something to be said about experiencing a thing that will teach us unlike anything else when we have experienced it. Paul talked about in Philippians learning the secret of being what? content the learning learning paul said this is not something that I always had or that 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 is just this that just comes to this is something i had to learn one to say and practice see it's one thing to be content when all is going well but it's another thing to be content when your body is racked with pain it's one thing to be content as long as the bills are paid. It's another thing to be content when they're about to take your car or about to take your house. Or about, so, so Paul had to learn this. Now, God dealt with me on this, that one of the ways that God teaches us how to be content, no matter what state we find ourselves in, is to allow us to find ourselves in different states. Paul said, I, whether well-fed or hungry, Paul said, I had to experience, come on somebody, I had to experience both, strength, both, both sides. You know, we can talk about when we're well-fed. Yeah, I'll be all right when I'm hungry until you are. Let's see you, and you've never been hungry. Let's see you when you get hungry. 
So Paul said, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, or you can say when you have plenty, oh, I'll be just fine if I was in want until you go through want. So it's one thing to think that we'll be all right in a state. It's another thing to experience that state. Now, what God is, one of the things, one of the things, I'm just going to say one of the things God is teaching me is that I can be content in illness. I, I, I couldn't before. And that was one of the reasons why I tried very hard to take care of myself and tried very hard because I knew I didn't want to be sick. I knew I didn't like it. I didn't like injury. I didn't like sickness. I, I didn't like it. Well, what God is teaching me, one of the things God is teaching me is that in this process, because God is bringing me back and he's and he's purposefully not doing it instantaneously. God said, Robert, I could heal you just like that if I chose to. He could heal you, my brother or my sister. He could bring you or I up out of poverty instantaneously. Uh, he could give us all knowledge, all understanding, all wisdom instantaneously if I, if he wanted to. But God sometimes takes us through a process so that we learn valuable things going through that process. God can heal a broken heart immediately. You know, God can, like you see in movies, God, when we cut our hand in, in movies, sometimes characters, you know, they immediately, Wolverine immediately heals up. God can heal us up faster than that. But there's something to be said about the process. You know, God is taking us through a process. This is how we learn. Paul said, I have learned. That means Paul says, I have been through what? Process. I've been through a process. I want to encourage you, my brothers, encourage you, my sisters. Each one of us as children of God, we are going through a process. The things that, that, that are hurting us now, that's a process we needed. The things that are bringing us joy, that's a process that we needed. The things that are disappointing us, that's a process. God is teaching you and me the process. Developing us through the process. Now, what God is bringing to my spirit now is Romans 5. I think it's verses 3, 4, and 5. Scripture talks about how not only so, but we rejoice in what? our sufferings or we glory in our sufferings, our whatever, depending on what translation you have, how the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his spirit in our heart. So what God is doing with suffering is he wants us to understand that suffering is a part of our process. Suffering is a part of my and your process. It's a part of developing you and me into his character. God says, I know you don't like it. 
God is speaking to all his children. He says, I know you all don't like suffering. God said, Robert Bryan, I know you don't like this stroke. God said, Robert, before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I knew two things. I knew, one, you were going to have this stroke at the appointed time. And number two, I knew you were not going to like it. But it's a part of the process. I want to encourage you, my brother and my sister, that what you and I are going through is just part of the process. <clears throat> As a coach, the Lord is bringing this in my spirit now. With my players, former players that may be watching, and I was sharing this with one of my players, former players, the other day. We had what was known as the 20-minute drill. It was a drill that I did in college. I, my coach in Missouri. I hated this drill. Well, one station, you're jumping up high as you can for one minute. Then, then your partner, he goes after you while you rest a minute. Then you go to another station where you're doing defensive slides hard for a minute. Then he blow the whistle. Your other partner start doing them. You rest. Then you come in another station. You're shooting. I mean, minute on, minute off. Minute on, minute off. And, and we would have to do this drill for the allotted time. I hated the 20-minute drill. We all hated the 20-minute drill. But the 20-minute drill got us right. We think we went 23 and 13, you know, played a number of Division I schools, did, did different things. Well, I, I, as much as I hated that drill, I knew that it got us right when we played. When I started coaching, I put that same drill on my players, and I knew that they hated the drill, but got them right. Well, you say, Apostle, what are you trying to let us know? Oftentimes, it is things that we hate that get us right. Just keep that in mind. Oftentimes now, oftentimes, things that we hate that get us right. <clears throat> Well, let's come on, take a look at the select scripture for today. Matthew writes to us and instructs us to seek first his kingdom. Man has gotten into trouble. One man has gotten into trouble in creation, in humanity, when we don't do this one thing. Seek first, first, his kingdom. Now, we go back to Matthew 6 and 28, and watch what Matthew shares with us. Because when we seek first his kingdom, many of these things are what? Eliminated. I want to encourage you, child of God. See, you know, you can eliminate a lot of unnecessary woe, a lot of unnecessary worry, a lot of unnecessary 
when we seek first the kingdom. Look at what Matthew writes. Verse 28, he says, why do you worry about your clothes? Seeking first God's kingdom, you won't even have to worry about your clothes. Now, we live in a society and a generation where a lot of people, you know, concerned about their clothes, concerned about the hair, concerned about a lot of a lot of things that many individuals are wasting precious time and energy and effort on. We won't even have to concern us ourselves with when we seek first his kingdom. And I was reading about the kingdom of God, and they were talking about God's invisible kingdom where he reigns supreme. It's the invisible kingdom. See, Jesus was talking about being a king. Roman, Roman authorities want to know, are you a king? Then Jesus was like, I'm a king, but it's not what you see. You know, it's not like emperor and how he's trying to do. It's an invisible kingdom where God is reigning supreme. Now, what he's going to do is he's going to bring this kingdom down at the appointed time. He's going to bring it down out of heaven. Right now, Satan is the God of this age. Much of what you can see, Satan is in charge. Satan is, 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 is overseeing that. God's kingdom is an invisible kingdom with righteousness Peace, love, joy. Yeah. Jesus said, why do you worry about your clothes? If it can be seen, it's part of it's part of the temporal kingdom of this world. God's kingdom cannot be seen with the natural eye. Why do you worry about your clothes? Why do you worry about something that is a part of the kingdoms of this world? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now Solomon had on some of the finest attire that money could buy in his day. Gold, silver, precious stones. Solomon was sharp. Solomon got, and, you know, God acknowledged that there's a splendor. There's an array there, but it is not as great as God's splendor and God's array. So I want to encourage you, my brother and my sister, understand that as beautiful as things may be in this earthly kingdom, God says, Robert, they cannot be compared with my what? Heavenly kingdom. Solomon in all of his splendor was not even close to what the lilies of the field were, who were operating in accordance with God's kingdom. If that is how God clothes 
the grass of the field. So, so what are we seeing here? God clothes the grass of the field. Men and women clothed Solomon. God's clothing took precedence over Solomon's clothing. God's clothing was more beautiful than Solomon's clothing. Now, what we got to be careful of is that we don't start thinking that man's clothing or man's anointing or man's intelligence or man... Well, we got to be careful. We don't go to thinking man's is better than what? God's. Now, that's what the world and the reason why the world wants to convince you and me of that, because they are under the influence of the God of this age. Satan is the God of this age. Satan is the prince of the powers of the air. Satan is working on men and women trying to convince them that man's is better than God's. And what we have to stay up under God's word and stay up under God's spirit and stay up under God's tutelage and stay up under God's leadership so that we continue to believe that God's what? Is better than man's. Now, if you were to see Solomon all that gold and all that silver and all of that and you would see some grass out in the field you see that lily right out in the field if you were in the natural you would think Solomon is better but if you were in the spiritual you'd realize that the grass and the grass of the field is which is here today and going tomorrow is worth and is more beautiful than all of that what you got on Solomon. It's a battle. It's a battle. You know, flesh and spirit. Man's and God's. What men want us to do, what God wants to do. And the Lord just flashed this in my spirit. We went out yesterday went by a friend of mine's warehouse where they have a number of secondhand items, refrigerators, stoves, furniture, clothing, so many. And as we pulled up nearing the facility, we saw hundreds of African Americans out loudspeaker you know uh, holding signs up and you know we were confused and wonder what is going on what what is happening here and when I rode past one of the signs that the children and some of the adults were holding up they were talking about Breonna Taylor justice for uh, Breonna Taylor, and that was a tragedy that took place. How she was shot to death in her home behind a misunderstanding. But there were hundreds of African Americans out and they were protesting, and not to say that that wasn't a terrible 
occurrence. But I immediately started thinking, why don't we see this kind of turnout for Bible study? Or for training and instruction in the word of God. The adversary work, he, he will even, he, listen, the adversary will even take you and me being sidetracked by a noble cause than for us to get into God's word. Because it's always about him sidetracking us. Get us thinking that Solomon, in all of his attire, is more important than grass of the field, which is clothed and dressed in God's attire. It's always he always if God is saying this over here, the adversary is saying, focus your attention on this right here. Anything, one one of the saints said to me years ago, she said, Daddy, it seemed like the adversary is working on people to get them to 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 be concerned with anything other than what God said. I said, You are exactly right, daughter. Anything other than what God said. I want to encourage you. My, my, my job in your life, child of God, is to work to keep us focused on what? What God says. What God says. Grass of the field, here today, gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, is much more beautiful than Solomon, not to say Solomon wasn't beautiful, but he wasn't as beautiful of this grass of the field. So with this understanding, look at verse 31. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Now, the reason why a lot of times we worry is because we are worried about what men and women say we should eat or what men and women say we should drink or what men and women say we should do, as opposed to being focused in on what God says we should eat. God says we should drink. God says we should do. Learned a stat maybe about 30 years ago that the average American eats four times the amount of protein than what he needs. You know, I was amazed when I first started traveling, traveling to other countries in the world, other countries that don't have the access to the meat like we have in the U.S. In the U.S., we go eat a great big steak. That'll be the biggest thing on the plate. I have been in restaurants where the steak that I've eaten was as big as the plate. I go in most other countries around the world, and they don't eat meat like that. I've got Nigeria, they may give you, they're, they're serving food, they give you a lot of rice or a lot of vegetables and a little piece of meat, about big as a quarter. And ask you why you want one or two. That is your meat. The main thing you eat in meat is even in Uganda, where I just come out. The main thing we eat, portion 
Matoki, which are plant-based meat. You don't just be eating meat, but in the United States, and this is one of the reasons why we have such a, a, a instance with obesity here. We just eat, eat four times the amount of protein than the body needs. So, you know, we've got to be careful eating, even eating the way men and women think we should eat and eating the way that God says we should eat. Adversary will try to even use that. Get you overeat. You've heard about a, one coach, one division one coach dropped dead, 31 years old, heart attack. Just, just a few days ago, assistant football coach talking about him on TV, how he was changing the culture and helping many of the young young men go on to the NFL. 31 years old, dropped dead, heart attack. So understand that, that it is a fight to do things God's way. Just, just keep that. It's a fight. Because there, there is a, we have a society, we have a culture, we have men and women's way of doing. It is a fight to come over here and say we're gonna do, we're gonna do things God's way. And that is my prayer for each of us that we will fight the good fight of faith and strive to do things God's way. God said, look, you're doing things my way. You want to worry about what to eat or what to drink. I may not be what everybody else is eating. may not be what everybody else is drinking. John the Baptist, God supplied what he needed to eat and drink, had him eating locusts and wild honey. Now, you don't hear about nobody else eating like that, but that was, that was the diet God had for him. And it sufficed him. Satisfied. Worrying about what we eat, worrying about what we drink, worrying about what we wear. Look at what the Bible says, verse 32. For the pagans, people that don't even believe in God, they run what? They run after these things. So understand, God doesn't want us running after the same things that unsaved people are running after. They run after these things, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, what kind of car we're going to drive, what kind of house we're going to live in, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of, what, what. God said, that, 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 don't you run after that. God said, look, you run after something different. My prayer for each of us, that we run after something different. And you and I run, just run after something different than the world, run after something different than society. Pagans, what are you running after stuff that pagans are running after for? God saying, what you doing? That's what pagans, that's what people that don't believe in, in the true and living God or believe in false gods or believe in multiple gods. That's that, that's that nonsense they into. Don't you get into that? Well, well what are we going to do, Lord? What, you don't want us to be like them. What, how you want us to be. God said, here we go. We're getting ready to close. But seek first his, 
kingdom. Now you either running after things or you are running after God's kingdom. Now, if you're running after things, my brother or my sister, there's a passage in scripture that says, whoever loves money, come on somebody, never has enough. Whoever running after things, you never gonna feel like you have enough. I, I know you ever seen the TV program, what is it, Hoarders? People got all kind of stuff packed and they can't even hardly move around in their apartment. Why? Things, things, things. God is telling us not to be like that, not to do like that. But seek first his kingdom. God said you run after the kingdom. While the world is running after things, you and I run after the kingdom. Encouragement to you, child of God. May we run after the kingdom. God said, now when you run after the kingdom, what I will do, God said, because I'm in control of the things. I will make the things come to you, run after you. So you either running after things or things are running after you. When we seek his kingdom, things will come to us. Man, when Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, he was already rich. She brought all kinds of gold, all kinds of silver, all kinds of precious stone. Running after the kingdom is a magnet for the things of the, of the world, of the blessings. All these things, all these blessings will come upon you. Don't say you'll be running after the blessings. You have two types of people in the world. Those that are trying to run after the blessings or those who is running, trying to run after God, who is in control of the blessings. My encouragement to you and to me, let us run after God. Blessings will come. Blessings will come. Just as sure as, as we are born. Run after God. Seek ye first his kingdom and all his righteousness. Now, we, we got to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you, not you added to them. All these things, New International Version says they'll be given to you. They'll be given. You know, I was talking to you all about uh, the conference coming up in Liberia, and I knew, you know, didn't have the money to go down. You know, but it's in my heart to uh, you know share with God's people what God and the pastor asked me, he said, Apostle, he said, uh, what do you expect out of us? I said, man of God, I'm just asking for half on the travel, on the accommodation, and on the feeding. I don't want to put all the burden on you all, and I'm not going to take all the burden on myself. Just half. You, you all, the churches, come over. Man of God said, okay. Okay. When we seek first his kingdom, I'm not going down there for vacation. I can think of a whole lot of other places <laughs> to go. 
<laughs> rather than Liberia. If, if we're talking about vacation, but when we're talking about the kingdom, Lord told me, what was it, about 15, 20 years ago, I was going to connect you with those people. We've had Liberians here. I've stayed on refugee camps. Refugee camps, some of you all don't have, have any idea how blessed we are. Refugee camp is something else. That's all I'm going to say. A refugee, with a, with refugee whether Syrian refugees, uh, Liberian refugees, when you hear about refugee camp, <laughs> most of you all cannot imagine. I went to sleep one night in a refugee camp, woke up the next day, and my back was covered with mosquito bites. That was the first time I got malaria. Covered with mosquito bites. You couldn't, uh, people say, oh, possible. Covered. Woke went to sleep at the refugee camp and uh, late in the night in the darkness, felt something crawling up my arm, big something. I don't know what it was, just crawling. I, I didn't even know, uh, you know, I was in my, my, what I call my African mindset. I just grabbed it and threw it. I didn't even try to turn the light on. I didn't want to see. I just, just get off me. Let me try to sleep. We are blessed. Most of us have no idea in this country, the United States, most of us have no idea how blessed we No idea. And see, that's really the only, only way you can really start praising God like he, like he deserves when he start revealing to, to you and to me how blessed we are. When he starts showing us, then we'd be like, oh my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Therefore, so what does God, God said, look, the world is doing it like verse 28. I'm telling you all to do it like verse 34. What do we have in verse 28? Worry about our clothes. Worry Come on down a little further about what we're eating. Worry about what we're drinking. Worry. That's the world. God said, my children should be doing verse 34. Do not worry. Not about clothes. Not about what you eat. Not about what you drink. And not about what you wearing. Now, don't worry about no clothes. I, I, Lord was doing me the other day. I looked in my closet. I was like, Lord, Lord, look, Robert, look, look at this. I got enough clothes for the next three lifetimes in this world. I don't need nothing. Shoes, sweaters, pants, I, suits, I don't need. I might, you know, but don't need. God said, Robert, I told you I would supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow. God said, look, I'm not, I'm going deeper than not worrying about clothes or not worrying about what you eat or worrying about what you drink. God said, I'm telling you, don't even worry about tomorrow. Corona plague is spreading like wildfire. And here God is telling us, do not what? 
worry. So I want to encourage you, my brother, or encourage you, my sister. Believe God. Trust God. Obey God. Believe God. Trust God. Obey God. Corona plague is spreading like wildfire. People dying every day. And God telling us. God, still, God said, Robert, I haven't changed the scripture and said, now you all start worrying about the corona plague. God said, my word is still what? My word. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You just focus in on doing what I'm telling you. What? Today. I want to encourage you, my brother. Encourage you, my sister. Focus in on doing what God is telling you and on what God is telling me today. Today. Let us close with a song. colon forward slash forward slash t-h-a-d-f-g dot wixsite.com forward slash t-c-c-c-w-w feel free to join us on facebook TalkShoe, youtube and itunes daily on facebook join us on robert bryant on youtube join us on the christian central church channel we can even be reached by phone at plus 252-525-4777 donations should be sent by using the donation button on Facebook, YouTube, or TalkShoe. God bless you and have a smiley.